When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, this is Christina jumping right in here for a special announcement. So two years ago, in the summer of 2020, we were excited about the upcoming release of Top Gun Maverick, the sequel three decades in the making. And two years ago, I released my interview with one of the icons of the original Top Gun, king of beach volleyball, Rick Rosovich. He played Ron Slider Kerner, wingman to Val Kilmer's Iceman. But that was two years ago, and because of the pandemic, everything was delayed. But now, Top Gun Maverick is premiering in style at the Cannes Film Festival. And this spring, we finally get to feel the need for speed. So I thought it'd be fun to revisit my talk with the one and only Rick Rosovich. Here we go. Put on your Ray-Bans and get ready to go back to the danger zone. Hey guys, this is Christina Yerling-Biro and welcome to Pop Culture Confidential, where we're about to dive into everything Top Gun as we prepare for what I'm sure will be the hottest movie of the summer, Top Gun Maverick, ready for takeoff 33 years after the original. And I'm thrilled to have one of the stars of the original Top Gun with me. That's Rick Rosovich. Before starring on ER and Navy SEALs, he was Junior Lieutenant Ron Slider Kerner, wingman to Val Kilmer's Iceman and top competition to Tom Cruise Maverick and his wingman Goose. Rick Rosovich and I not only talked about his experience on the set of Top Gun, the myths, the legends, the Ray-Bans and the volleyball, but also why Top Gun became such a pop cultural milestone that three decades later, we're about to revisit this franchise. In 1986, the year that Top Gun was released, California native Rosovich had already starred in several big movies, among them The Lords of Discipline and The Terminator. After Top Gun, he had a starring role in Steve Martin's Roxanne, he was on Navy Seals, and he played Dr. John Tag Taglieri on the enormous TV hit ER. You fans will probably remember that it was Dr. Tag who left Carol, Juliana Margulies' character, at the altar. And he also spent a couple of years playing Lieutenant Anthony Palermo on Pacific Blue. Rick Rosovich has taken several breaks from acting now and then and spent a lot of time in Sweden, his wife's homeland. Now, I'm going to get to the trailer for the new Top Gun movie later. But first, let's go back to 1986, when Maverick, Goose, Iceman and Slider felt the need for speed. Two to one, you've got a pair of bogeys, 12 o'clock. I gotta give you your dream shot. I'm gonna send you up against the best. You two characters are going to Top Gun. For five weeks, you're gonna fly against the best fighter pilots in the world. There are no points for second place. 
Want to know who the best is? That's him, Iceman. It's the way he flies, ice cold. I flew with the old man. You're a lot like he was. Mr. Rick Rosovich, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's great to be great to be with you. You've popped in and out of Hollywood for so many years now. You sure picked roles in movies and TV that ended up being incredible pop cultural milestones. I mean, from The Terminator to Top Gun to Roxanne to Pacific Blue and, and ER, how did you pick your roles? Well, I think uh, it's not so much I got to pick the roles that I was just uh, I was lucky enough to to land. Uh, land those roles. And uh, I was lucky that uh, my brother, my older brother, Tim, uh, went to USC as, and on a scholarship and was an All-American football player and, and quite an athlete and played professional football for uh, about 10 years. While he was in college, he was kind of scattered by some studios and, and did some stunt work and extra work and this and that because he was around the, the area. And then after he retired from football, he kind of transitioned in, into stunt work and then acting. And uh, I always idolized him. You know, I was a, a kid when he was a big star. He was a big star in America as, a, as an athlete. And, and so he gave me my first, uh, my first chance. I became his stand-in when he uh, landed a, a television series as a, a lead actor. And uh, I got to really learn the basics right at the foot of the camera. And uh, I... I landed uh, a, a role in a, a Korean karate film, if you can imagine. <laughs> uh, a friend of my brother's uh, gave me a tip on an audition, uh, and I went, and uh, it was for this non-union Korean karate film. And uh, I they, they picked me, and I played like a CIA kind of agent-type character and had a few scenes and did a stunt and did a flip into a swimming pool at the Tropicana Motel on Santa Monica Boulevard in the, right in the bowels of Hollywood. And that was my start. But I had, I had a little bit of uh, something in me that made me want to reach a bit. And so I wasn't afraid and uh, afraid of failing or anything. And I kind of grabbed on. And after those first couple of uh, small TV roles, I, I got uh, my first film in uh, 1980, a film called Losing It with uh, none other than Tom Cruise, who was also in the movie. It was Tom's least successful film in his <laughs> career. But it was a great director, Curtis Hansen, who won the Academy oh Award yeah. for Ellie Confidential. He directed it, and it was kind of a, a teenage romp south of the border, uh, a bunch of uh, teenage boys going down to hijinks down in Tijuana. And I played this Marine uh, that they kept kind of coming across, and... That was uh, my character. So that was my first my first film role. So how did Top Gun come to you? Well, Top Gun was 1985 when that was being cast. And I'd actually, after, uh, after losing it, there was a project called The Lords of Discipline mm -hmm. from the great uh, author Pat Conroy, who did a trilogy, uh, The Prince of Tides and The Great Santini and The Lords of Discipline. Just a fantastic book about a you know, military academy, and uh, that that script was kind of uh, out and about, and somehow I don't know. I just I, I got the meeting, you know, at Paramount, and I won the role. Really, out of I don't know, just sheer luck, I guess, because everyone really wanted that role. It was really a great role, and I and I ended up gaining around thirty pounds of uh, muscle 
And uh, I, I gained the weight. We shot the film in London, had a great time. You know, I, I, I was still kind of, you know, working my way through uh, trying to, you know, uh, maybe, you know, which way would it go for me? Would I, you know, would I kind of break out or would I just kind of be like a supporting character? And, or would I just fizz out? Like, you know, a lot of actors, you know, they, you just, they get a shot and then that's it. They have one yeah, shot and that's, that's it. That's the story of Hollywood. Yeah, right? and, and Lords of Discipline wasn't a big hit, but it was it was a well-made film. And it was from a, a great novel. It was a trilogy. And and uh, so, you know, at least it kind of gave me, I had some bona fides from that at least. Right. So that kind of gave me a leg up. So I, I ended up having a meeting at, at Paramount uh, with Tony. And uh, I'm in the office and I look down on the floor and I see a, a, a stack of books, and there's a, a, mm-hmm. a Bruce Weber book. Photographer, right. Uh, the great photographer. Uh, and he'd done a, a, stu- a, a study on, uh, like, military uh, types. And, and on the cover was, there was a striking cover photo on the book that could have been me, really, from because you couldn't didn't really see the face. You just saw the neckline and the hairline and the back of the head. And uh, I said, there, you know, this, this is me on this book here, I said to him. Uh, <laughs> To Tony, <laughs> he said, "What, what man? What really?" <laughs> and it was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Of course, it wasn't. But I knew Bruce, and I shot, I shot uh, a thing for Interview Magazine with him and some other. Kind but of... is it true that the volleyball scene is sort of a Bruce Weber that he that Tony Scott did take a lot of influence from the pictures of Bruce Weber? I think you could probably. I think Bruce Bruce was so influential with you know. What he did, what he's done in his career, just his imagery is so kind of iconic. I, I think, yeah, I think, I just think all the all the great kind of imagery that Bruce put together really kind of informed a lot of a lot of media in, in the early days there. But I ended up getting the role, but I got a, I got the role of uh, I I didn't get the role of Ron Kerner or Slider. I got the role of the John Stockwell uh, actually ended up doing Cougar. Which is the character who's in the who gets the, a panic attack, right? Who he has a panic attack in the jet and kind of has to land. And funny enough, that uh, John Stockwell was also in the movie Losing It Once Upon a Time. He was one of the teenagers uh, with Tom Cruise. All the '80s guys were in the same movie. Yeah, you know, there so. was a gang of us who were kind of old. You'd see each other at the same meetings. You say, "Oh God, I have to go against this guy," and and uh, so you know, there's a. We we knew who was in the stable, and uh, so I got I got the role of Cougar, and and uh, that was terrific, and I was happy to to be part of this uh, this movie that we had no idea what it would become. Of course, it was just you know just great to have a job, and uh, the first read through, uh, Tony pulled me aside and said, "Listen, we're gonna we're gonna switch roles on you, so we want you to play uh, Slider, and uh, we're gonna put John and." In, in Cougar Spot, and I was just, you know, that was like the, the one of my big breaks, really, to have that happen. Not, not the, I mean, Cougar was a great role, and John did a great job with it, but uh, I was really able to uh, to step up and, and have a, a, a bigger piece of the action and, and really uh, cement my relationships there in the film with the other lead actors. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, 
We tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. So what was your first impression of the cast and crew there? Everyone was kind of uh, feeling each other out, I guess, a bit. And, and uh, But I think there was a lot of, uh, it was collegial and, and, you know, people were, you know, we, we all kind of, uh, it was a group effort to really kind of uh, help each other. And, and, and you know, you, that whole thing about wingman is, it's, it's, not, over, it's not overstated at all. He, you know, he really felt he wanted mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm. To be there, especially with Val, uh, that, that, that relationship really grew. Between this movie and your first movie with Tom Cruise, could you feel that his star had, was growing and that he was? His star, it's kind of like risky business, really, kind of, you know, that cemented him. But, he, but he'd done quite a few other things, too, that were kind of uh, strategic in his career. Now, how did the Navy work with the movie? And you guys were actually on planes flying, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the Navy was, I don't know how Paramount really uh, did it, but I'm, I'm sure uh, Tony had a lot to do with it, and Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson. They really, I mean, up to that point, maybe there had never been as much cooperation like that before. We, we uh, went down to Miramar, and you really get into the sense of what you're doing when, you know, you have all this gear and, you know, you're putting on these outfits uh, when you get into all this kind of flight gear and all this kind of stuff and all the training we had to do because we actually did some training where right. we had to uh, learn how to escape from a, a helicopter that's crashed underwater upside down and swim to the top and we had to do a lot of uh, stuff to kind of like uh, to be able to get up into the airplanes because we actually uh, we actually did fly we met all these you know there was a there was always a crowd of uh, actual pilots and support people who who really kind of gave you the sense of, uh, you know, the immensity of, of uh, our armed forces and how important it is. And, and on another side of it, there are so much Ray-Bans and sweat. Yeah. <laughs> I was just re-watching it last night and preparing for the interview a couple nights ago. Literally, there's Ray-Bans and sweat even in dark rooms yeah. where people are watching. Did they like oil you up and spray you down? Or what, how was this going on? <laughs> yeah, we had a little bit of that. But, you know, Tony was such a, a visual artist. And, you know, you have to remember that, you know, MTV was kind of just in its infancy, just getting started. And that, that's back when MTV was really just about music videos. And so a lot of this was informed by that. A lot of this had that kind of flavor of, of what was going on during you the You mean period. the look? Yeah, the look. And, and, you know, and Tony was, he came from a background of uh, commercial, uh, he made a lot of commercials. And and so it's, it's really kind of, uh, it has a bit of that, which gave it a, a, a certain slickness, but there was nothing authenticity to it as well at the same time. So it was kind of melding those two things together, which was kind of fascinating. You know, we, we flew out to uh, the USS Enterprise. We were out out to sea at about 180 miles out to sea and they flew us out there in, in these 18 man helicopters and uh, landed on the deck and and we were out there for about almost a week. I got thrown off because I was kind of insubordinate a little bit. I kind of got... They, oh no, what did you do? Uh, I, I was just, I was sleeping around. I kind of just found a bunk that I, 
I thought was better than the bunk that they gave me. So I just had to, <laughs> I fell asleep in someone else's bed, and they kind of I wouldn't I wouldn't move, and and uh, so they had enough of me. They brought me up to the. It was so funny. They brought me up to the captain's uh, to the captain's perch, and it was like some MacArthur character with uh, like a corn cob pipe, and and he had a, a massive set of ray bands, and he kind of dressed me down a bit. And I don't know. I was kind of you know I was a bit cocky. For 30 years, there is just something incredibly iconic and, and uh, mytho- not just about the look, but there's these lines that, I mean, my teenage boys, yeah. years and years and years after, will still, you know, they know a line like, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash yeah. and, and things like that. Did you guys realize what, while you were making it the sort of impact that you would have? No, you never you never look ahead like that. But, you know, it was part of... It was part of uh, that time in Hollywood too, where catch lines were kind of you know Eastwood, you know, and, and Arnold, and and it, that, that yeah, was, we're not as good as that anymore, yeah, are we? No, I I think it, it had its time, and it's kind of it's interesting. You're, what you were talking about before that it was sort of the MTV age. I haven't really thought about that with the visuals, and then I mean, it became this pop cultural phenomenon. You have Tarantino discussing the volleyball scene and sort of the homoerotic. Uh, the, Thing in, in another movie that he was in called Sleep With Me, you have that kind of discussion. It really took on a life after. Really, a lot of it was just a male-oriented kind of uh, collegiality where people just kind of, you know, we, we had to kind of just band together. And, and I kind of tried to use that uh, to my advantage as much as I could because I was, you know, the wingman. I was the, the Rio, the, the, you know, the navigational officer i was the guy on the side so i i kind of i tried to keep my proximity to val and Iceman, and you can see things like in the volleyball scene where i'm just you know hugging him and or if we're in the ready room i'm have my arm around him sometimes it just it's part of that whole thing you know that these guys are kind of bonded together and you know they rely on each other and and even when we're up in the sky in planes you know it's kind of like you're always watching someone else's back so and then you get the steam rooms and you get this and that and it's kind of and uh, it's it's kind of it's it's, it's for me it's kind of a, a closeness it's it's real you know th- th- those mm-hmm. guys really have it it's funny Val and I were we, we were uh, we were a little bored one night down in San Diego so we we jumped in his van and we drove up to Los Angeles to have dinner and all of a sudden they bring a phone to the table at the restaurant, which is kind of funny, isn't it? I mean, that's so cliche. Yeah, that's very Hollywood. Yeah, very Hollywood. <laughs> and it wasn't like a Hollywood restaurant. It was downtown somewhere. And all of a sudden, there's a phone brought to the table. I don't know how they found us. I guess Val told somebody where we were. And uh, the and all of a sudden, I'm sw- I'm on the phone because the call is for me. It's from Tony saying, I, where are you, man? I need you down here. Tomorrow, you're in a new scene. Uh, we've, we've written a new scene for you. And uh, I said, "Oh, great! Oh, that's wonderful. We uh, we get we get back in the little <laughs> hot tail it back." And it was the scene, um, uh, "Slider, you stink," where oh wow, and, and that was a and, and so, that's a big scene. So well, it wasn't it wasn't in the original script, but it was it was kind of it was such a nice uh, another little moment to get you know when you're when you're just kind of trying to uh, you know get some screen time. You're just you know supporting character and. And I was thinking about that scene. Uh, it was kind of like a, a naked moment. It was kind of a fun moment in the movie where, you know, it's one-on-one and, and Slider gets kind of 
I get it handed to me by Tom, and it, it was kind of a nice. Yeah, I'll one. just set this up if people don't remember. So, Tom, your Tom Cruise has just had a a bad date um, with the Kelly McGillis character, yeah. one could say, and Slider character has a he has a sort of jet little airplane in his hand, and he says he's crashed and burned. Yeah. And then you have a little moment with him, and uh, yeah, and, and uh, he leans in and and. Uh, he says, Slider, you stink. And uh, <laughs> it was such a, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, and I just had like a shitting grin on my face and that was it. So, but those are the little moments, you know, you don't really, you don't know what they'll do or how they'll play or, 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 you know, if they'll end up on the, on the editing room floor. But tell me about, about working specifically with Tom Cruise. Well, Tom was great. I mean, uh, you know, knowing him from, my first experience on losing it, he was just an intense, focused character who just really, you know, was all about the work. And it's funny because uh, he hasn't changed a bit in 35 years that I've known him. He's just still, he's just completely a consummate professional. He does even and, more of his own stunts now, right? Oh, yeah. He's, oh, he's just excels at that. He revels in that. He loves that challenge. So uh, in the new movie, you know, I think he's actually, I think he's flying the plane. I mean, who, who, who does that? <laughs> Tom I mean, Cruise. It, yeah, exactly. It's a very different time in 1986, both sort of in the zeitgeist of, of politics and U.S. in general and the film industry. Are there themes in the 1986 Top Gun that you figure won't be possible now in 2020? That's a, that's a good question. I, I, I can't imagine that, you know, that... Uh, you know, I, I I haven't read the script of the of the new film, so you know that was top secret, and uh, so I'm I'm not really sure what happens at all. But I'm going to ask you now: Are you in it? Can you tell us? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll we'll know June twenty sixth. I think that's when it gets released. Um, I might I, I might uh, I might pop up. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a new generation. It's a bunch of fresh, young faces, good people. And uh, there's a couple old ghosts that kind of reappear. And uh, Yeah, what we know is that Tom Cruise is, of course, back right. in his Maverick, Val Kilmer. And Miles Teller plays Goose's yeah, that's, son, that's if you really, remember I from I think the that's show. really good casting. That's really, I think they got that spot yeah. on. I, I have to be honest, and I'll be candid. I, I, for many years, I said, don't ever make this a sequel to this movie. Don't ever do it. I mean, mm -hmm. why would you ever do that? Who needs to do that? Tom doesn't need to do it. Um, but in a way, I think he probably felt he did need to do it because he needed to, like, satisfy so many people who just really wanted more. Uh, my hat is off to him for taking his time and for doing it in his imitable way. He just kind of, he really waited and waited. And then when it crystallized in his head, he knew he was ready. And he spent two years of his life now putting this together. And unfortunately, we lost Tony Scott. Yeah, so. that's just a tragedy. And, and uh, but uh, but you know, Tom has been the driving force behind it, and you know, he's really a perfectionist, and he's going to get this right. Your instructor is one of the finest pilots this program has ever produced. His exploits 
are legendary. What he has to teach you may very well mean the difference between life and death. They're called orders, Maverick. want a good volleyball scene again <laughs> I, I don't know if they can ever do that again if they, like, no i don't think and, they and, can. And the funny thing about that scene is that was a half a half a page of script and it was like a, a half a day of work and they they dumped a big dump truck of sand on the parking lot somewhere and we just had at it and, and tony just you know caught the light a certain way and we just all kind of jumped into it and and that was a, it was a fun afternoon but you know it's funny that you, you spend like you know four or five, six hours on something like that. It just, how that is so cemented in so many people's minds. Yeah, one of the most iconic scenes of the 80s is like done in, in is just filmed in a parking lot over a couple that's hours. It's, it's amazing. That's how simple it can be, you know. But how did this impact, how has it impacted your life for the past 33 years? Do people still remember you as Slider or what? what it's funny. I, I tell you, I, I wrote an essay just for my own, because I like to write once in a while. I wrote an essay about uh, 10,000 days for Tom Cruise, you know. And for a while, it was like, that was that was a question of my life. What's it like to work, what was it like on Tom Cruise? What, what's Tom mm-hmm. like? You know, it, it was always like, everyone always wanted to window in, you know, about that. And uh, that, that always kind of, it never bothered me. I, I thought that was a great question um, because he, he is so iconic. It's always been probably the, the movie that's played the most out of all the ones I've ever done. And uh, so I, I guess it's it's been the most important role of my career in that way. But I get the impression that you're very, you've been very sort of level-headed in your career. You've, you've been in these huge movies where you maybe could have been keeping on chasing this fame, but you've taken yeah. breaks. You've gone to Sweden, you've come back and forth. You know, I was always had, I, I had uh, a great work ethic but on and off the set. So when, when the show was over, I, you know, immediately got into my, into my real life, which was my, my marriage and my kids and my home life. And, you know, like I told you, I wanted to be a, a set designer or a scenic designer, or maybe, you know, work on that uh, part of the show. And so I always been really kind of involved in, in the developing properties and houses and, and uh, that's always been a passion of mine. And, and that really kind of kept me kind of grounded and kind of uh, gave me something to do in between. Because uh, you, you'd have like uh, periods of time, six months, eight months between jobs sometimes when, you know, just you weren't just getting the, the nod. So it was good for me to have something to, to really kind of ground myself. And, and it's worked out in my favor over the long term because now I can look back and say, you know, what, what was it really all about anyway? Right, right. That's what I mean. I get the impression that you've been good yeah. at that, which I think is a hard thing for, for actors. I saw the fast life, too. I saw a lot of people crash and burn along the way who, 
mm. were really just you know made made bad decisions and kind of uh, got caught up in in things that really that really were kind of unfortunate. If you have an awareness, you, you can kind of uh, avoid some of those pitfalls, which I was lucky enough to do. Are you acting now, or do you want to? Uh, you know, not really. I uh, let's see, what did I do? Oh, oh yeah, I, I worked last year on something. Um, <laughs> yeah, is it a just secret? for a little bit? Just just a small, just a but, little uh, bit. You know, do you think we'll yeah. be seeing it this you summer? Know, I, so so like you brought up Pacific Blue. So you know, after uh, after ER. Um, you know, I, I did the first year, and my character, he split the scene and left uh, Nurse Hat. We'll never Nurse Hathaway you. on the altar, but <laughs> but uh, I got a, which was kind of new at the time, was the cable, uh, the cable shows started to come on USA Network, and they were doing this. Uh, it was kind of a lark. I just took the meeting. I wasn't even that kind of serious about it, but I took the meeting. It was uh, cops on bicycles, and God, what a high concept, huh? And uh, so I said, oh, my agent said, well, no one will ever see this, so it's not going to hurt your career. Just, we'll just do it and <laughs> make some money. And, and, uh, but it ended up, uh, I ended up doing uh, like 60, 65 episodes of Pacific, yeah, lots of- Pacific, Pacific Blue and on the bike shorts and on the bicycle. And that was kind of, those were some of the nails in the coffin of my acting career where I said, ah, oh, you know, I'm kind of burnt out and tired of this. It's just kind of a grind. Uh, you know, it wasn't a bad show, but it wasn't really. Uh, it didn't have the pedigree, the pedigree that you know that I'd been kind of like I'd been doing up to that point. And so I, I made a conscious decision when I was in my mid forties to say, okay, you know, I just want to be in my garden, or be in Sweden. Mm-hmm. I had a beautiful place in Ohio, beautiful garden, a beautiful, beautiful home that we restored, and, and uh, we did the. Yeah, it was it was okay. And I wanted to be with my kids, and I wanted to experience their teenage years with them. I didn't want to always be away because I was away a lot, you know. And they're, I don't really miss it, to tell you the truth. But if if the spotlight would be on you now this summer when everything is happening with the new movie, would you consider jumping in again, or, or are you done? Yeah, I don't know. It it really depends on the uh, on the project. Well, I think it seems like you you have some of the most iconic movies and TV shows behind you. I see you there and. Oh, hi. And in Stockholm at your uh, making beautiful yeah. apartments. And, and I visualize you in your always in your Ray-Bans yeah, <laughs> looking great. So I just have to thank you for this time that you spent with me here more than than um, very generous of yeah. you. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to I think you have a big summer ahead, even if you want to take it easy. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of spotlight on you. So thank it's, you. It's, it's, been, it's been so uh, it's been a pleasure to, to visit with you. And I think it's going to be a great summer uh, this summer because my son has just bought his first house uh, in Salshabaden, he went into the house and there was probably about 200 people there to visit this place because it was such a, an architectural gem. And in one of the downstairs bedrooms, on the ceiling, was tacked a Top Gun poster. <laughs> Meant, to, Meant be. to be. And so that was really kind of, that kind of says it all where I'm at in my life right now. And uh, I'm happy to look down from the top and uh, just hope we have a smooth landing and and it's, uh, it's on to the next generation, and uh, we wish them all the best. Rick, thank you so much for this. Thank you, Christina. <laughs> 
thank you so much to Rick. So Top Gun Maverick is finally premiering this year at the Cannes Film Festival in May and then coming around the world. And thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Hello, and welcome to Guilty Greeny. I feel like we should start off this show by saying it's nearly impossible to be 100% sustainable given the current world we live in. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Not a great analogy for a vegetarian, but you know. We're talking uh, about sustainability, maybe not the best analogy. Don't eat the elephant is the first rule of the Guilty Greeny. There's your first challenge of the week. Avoid (laughs) elephants. What they used to call frugal is now considered sustainable. That's such an aha moment. Frugal to sustainable. You can save money and help the planet. That's going to be our new tagline for sure. You can find Guilty Greenie on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Until then, stay curiously green. Green.